It's the Blue Vote Cafe, a little bit wonkish, a whole lot of fun. I'm David Schellenberg, along with Rachel Oyster, the co-chairs for Democrats Abroad of Canada's Capital Region here in Ottawa. Hello, Rachel. Hello, David. How are you? I'm good. I am nicely tanned after going on vacation in the north of Canada. And How did you get tanned in Winnipeg? <laughs> oh, because, well, this time of year, like the, the sun shines quite a bit. And when you're... Uh, Manitoba has some really beautiful beaches. Lake Winnipeg um, is the 12th largest lake in the world. I think I got lovely, that one right. Lovely, lovely. So it, it naturally has a whole lot of beaches around it, which nobody ever thinks of beaches deep in the Canadian prairies. Nevertheless, there they are. And uh, we've got a cottage that's fairly north of Winnipeg, so pretty far north as, as you know, globally speaking. Um, <laughs> and even in Manitoba, it's very isolated. So beyond the connection of cell phones, which is kind of a nice thing to be for a couple of days. And then you start to wonder what's going on in the world, which is always kind of weird. Yeah. Well, welcome back. I'm glad you got some time off. <laughs> yes. <it was> very nice. <laughs> what have you been up to? Oh my goodness, what have I been up to? Well, summer in Ottawa, I've been trying to keep the bird feeders filled. Yes, yes, very good. <laughs> I'm not sure I can tell you what I've been doing for the last week. Oh, I see, top secret, gotcha. <laughs> right, 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 yes. Well, we don't want to allude to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's with us today? <laughs> well, today we continue our introductions of our newly elected executive committee members with um, Quinn Wynn, our new treasurer. Welcome, Quinn. Thank you, Rachel, and thank you, David. It's nice to chat with you today. It's great to have you. Um, we usually begin our podcast with a standard double question, which is, what state do you vote out of? Where do you live now? And what took you or keeps you there? All right. So I am a proud Iowa voter. No way. I was actually... <laughs> Go Iowa. Music yes. to David's ears. <laughs> We're everywhere for a little state. We are. That's right. You you don't always see us, but we're there. <laughs> I actually initially was voting uh, from Massachusetts, uh, but I am I was born and raised in Iowa and was able to switch my registration back. And that's more of home now. So I'm glad to be voting somewhere where I feel like it counts a little bit more. Uh, and now I am living in Bogota, Colombia. I've been here for four and a half, almost five years now. Wow. And yeah, it's been, it, it goes by fast. And, it does. and I know you, yeah. And I know you get this answer a lot. Um, so I'm going to preface it by saying that I've also lived in other parts of the world and I always moved for work or fellowships before. But the reason I'm in Colombia is because of my husband. So he's he's actually a politician here. So I moved here before he ran and now he is a Bogota city councilor. Oh, so wow. I've been, yeah. So I've been Wonderful. through a lot of local elections too. I think I know way more about the Colombian government than even a regular Colombian would, but it's, but it's yeah. interesting that we yeah. both have our own. Yeah. We both like to dabble in politics and I always tell him, you know, he can come to me if he needs advice. You two are doing had... way more than dabbling in politics. I would say, yeah, <laughs> you're both leaders in your chosen arena. <laughs> and I also want to say, Quinn, I think congratulations are due. He is a very new husband, I think. Yes, thank you. I was putting you off, I know, with the interviews because we were busy getting married in the last couple of 
freaks out. So exciting. <laughs> Thank you. It's wonderful. I hope you guys had a fabulous time. And I think you went back to the States, I guess, just to do it in, in the in view of family. Oh yeah, we we had a destination wedding in Iowa, and I I might say I might have been the first. That's fabulous. What kind of a farm did you get married on? Are you asking how many pigs were in attendance? We invited all the pigs. And you had, uh, did you have corn for like your? For your Obviously. big wedding dinner, that was—I mean—that was the—that was, the, was the menu item that had to be there. I mean, they always talk about getting your proteins on and everything, but for me, it was corn. Of course. So <laughs> <laughs> we had—it uh, was fun. It was a mixture. We had a Vietnamese ceremony, so we did have some Vietnamese things on the menu, but then we also did a very Midwestern one: pulled pork, corn, the whole works. Oh, that sounds um, fabulous! Yeah. Yeah. And we actually looked at getting married on a farm, but we chose instead a small history museum that was partially designed by Grant Wood and right in front of the studio where he painted American Gothic and where he lived for several years. So it's fun. That's fabulous. Well, that sounds like an adventure, a destination wedding in Iowa. I'm definitely keeping that in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we must have uh, we must have quadrupled the Colombian population in Iowa <laughs> with the Douglas family there. It was quite a scene to see. That is wonderful. Have you ever been to Iowa? Um, he so he was there with me for a bit last year, but he didn't get to see much. It was the dead of winter, and it was you know it was for family stuff, so it wasn't very fun. Right. So Diego had only been there very uh, briefly, but uh, this was his first time really getting to actually see it for a vacation and to enjoy it. So it was nice. And I never, never, ever imagined that his city dwelling family, you know, would, there's no other way I'd be able to convince them to go there. So it was also just nice to finally get my Colombian family to Iowa. Fabulous. And for them must have been a very different experience to see, well, to see the United States, first of all, and the the way that the United States works, the stores and everything that, that a lot of us take for granted, but just the wide open fields of Iowa. It was only our immediate family that was present, and they they've lived in the U.S. before. And okay. actually, two of uh, his siblings they they both live in the U.S., but one's in the Bay Area and one's in New York. So they've just always been, you know, they're from the city. They've lived in cities, and so I think for them just experiencing their first time in the Midwest was what was really shocking. <laughs> <laughs> shocking in the best possible way. I love it. In a good way. In a yeah. good way. Exactly. And you're right. The pot is collecting statistics. So that's another tick in the column of love. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be the most popular reason oh, for yeah. people to live outside the U.S. Love is well in the lead. Yes. Love is well in the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're writing all the titles for our, our podcast um, retrospective. Our David. special Valentine's Day show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just had to say, though, it's really, you know, I before this, I lived in Thailand a bit. And those, I, I moved to those places for my work, and then earlier for a fellowship. And so I, I just didn't want to have you know the same answer as everyone else. But alas, <laughs> that is what brought me here. So well, we do sometimes get work and sometimes school, and often work or school leads to love. Mm-hmm. So also, also true. Yeah. But we should probably so. talk about why we invited you on the podcast yes. today, <laughs> and maybe we'll ease in gently by just asking you about your your DA story. How did you connect to DA and and what have you done for for Democrats abroad? 
Sure. So I, even though I lived abroad uh, previously, I never knew about DA. Uh, and this time it was through some friends who were members here in Colombia, and they invited me to a meeting. And as, uh, as often happens, I think in DA, I was soon um, offered a position. I, I think who has used the term? I was voluntold. Yes. It happens all the time. To a verb. Yeah. Oh, you're, so, you're not the first. <laughs> so before I knew it, it one. I mean, it switched very quickly from one or two meetings to taking an executive committee position in DA Columbia, and we we had a we had just become a country committee again we had a really great chair and vice chair and they both had to leave at the same time basically so i just kind of stepped up and became chair of columbia and learned as i went along wow so yeah so it's a good very strong introduction <laughs> absolutely yes. how over what course of time did that take place I mean, I really do think I went to two meetings before, (laughs) (laughs) and then before you know it, I was in D.C. a few weeks later, and I, you know, at the, it's, we're a smaller organization in Colombia, and so I said, okay, sure, this sounds great, I'm happy to do this, and then I just realized how incredibly robust the organization is once I got to D.C., Um, and how frightening, in a good way, it was to see how, you know, how, how well it runs and Mm -hmm. how committed people are and so i just i just went off the deep end and i guess i never found my way back wow so that was dc (laughs) (laughs) so that would have been the 2019 meeting in dc it was it right which was also the first uh international meeting for me and for david as well so i think we, we had similar experience at least i did to yours i mean i had only ever been involved really at the local level and to go from that to the global level and go, you're right, robust. Oh my God, what a, it, in, an incredible organization. So yes. multi layered. Yes, me too. <laughs> and scared. <laughs> y- yes. Yeah. You've also been heavily involved with the Global Youth Caucus. So I, uh, I became co chair of the Global Youth Caucus when it was also reformed. I was a steering committee member as well for the AAPI Caucus and served on the Diversity Inclusion Committee when those formed. I hope I didn't miss anything there. I just, I just went in uh, and, and I wanted you know, I wanted to get involved at a more global level. And so I couldn't say no every time these opportunities came up. Uh, right. The Youth Caucus was terrific. There I had the chance to um, just connect with people that I hadn't been connected with before through DA uh, to hear a very different voice and types of concerns that we have in the organization and for Democrats in general. Uh, got to interview and meet a lot of really interesting people from campaign managers to some um, Congress people to uh, other youth who were doing really exciting things. So mm-hmm. that was that was a really exciting time for me and DA. And I was sad to uh, I, I actually outaged the youth caucus, and you can guess how old I am. <laughs> so. That is, yes, one one caucus that people leave often when they're not ready to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it was okay too because I think we have you know really terrific people, and the the people who are uh, co-chairing it now are terrific, and they're great. The people on the steering committee are so they they were fine without me, and I you know I was always bringing a 
different older youth voices. So <laughs> <laughs> can pull it back, pull it back down. Average age of the caucus again. <laughs> but that actually I find to be a feature of DA. The leadership turns over pretty rapidly, both because people move around the world and change committees and so mm-hmm. forth, but also with term limits. Like the the executive committee is one of the one of the good examples. It's it's your I think only two yes. members have served before and neither was an incumbent so that's right it's it's pretty incredible to see how um how youthful the excom the executive committee is sorry for people who are not uh well versed with all of the acronyms we use Mm. um it's it's nice actually i like seeing that diversity with age with experience it just brings a lot of voices to the table and i think it brings up concerns that you wouldn't necessarily think of if you're just you're used to the system and the machine. Even I'm a relatively new DA member, so it's it's an incredible privilege for me to be able to sit on the executive committee as well. Uh, yeah, I came up through youth groups as well, through other political parties before getting into this one. And, and I know what you mean. My heart always goes back to these youth groups because I remember being in those youth groups. I remember when when somebody now that i have gray hair and i'm in my 50s when somebody would actually like buy me a beer and sit down and have a conversation with me how how valuable i found that and i find if i see a young person who has the remotest little tiny bit of interest in politics i just want to sit down with them and buy them a drink and like figure out what is in their head and where they want to go with it and help them to get there do you find that as well mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, what's interesting to me is I felt like I had a lot of people who reached out and did that for me when I came on. They could probably see the deer in headlights look when I yeah. arrived in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I felt like people immediately jumped in, offered to mentor, to help, to help me learn the ropes. So I really appreciated that. And I've also really just, yeah, like like you said, David, I've loved that about the Youth Caucus. You just hear such a different perspective. You see such a different way that people want to approach um, and tackle problems. You hear a lot of different types of issues that are important that uh, that you might hear from our older members. And they're all valid issues, but we need to give them equal mm-hmm. weight. So I enjoy that too. And also just people who aren't disenchanted uh, <laughs> with, with politics, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I know that feeling. <laughs> Mainly because you hear the youth talking about these great ideas and you think, well, I had that exact same thought 30 years ago and it yeah. still hasn't been fixed. So, you know, you go get them. Yeah. But we can, and that's what's nice. You know, we have to find new ways or they'll prop up in new ways and we'll keep finding new solutions to them. So I like that about the Youth Caucus. And sometimes, you know, you do hear some pretty crazy. I mean, I, I did feel old for the Youth Caucus, which is funny. And I, I heard things sometimes that I never would have imagined or thought about. But again, that's that's the fun part, right? Is it's not the things that you're reading and examining and thinking about every day in your own world. Right. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, for right, sure. right. So tell us what led you to run as treasurer for Democrats Abroad Globally. That's an interesting question. So <laughs> Good. <laughs> I well, I I do run my own business and I had another joint venture that's branched off from it. And before before doing what I do now, which is helping people apply to college and doing college admissions work, uh, I, I did have 
some operational, operational and procedural roles. I dealt with finances for nonprofit organizations before and not so heavy on the accounting as I do in this role. But what I like about this role is that it is very procedural, a little bit more behind the scenes, which even though I've had, I think, slightly more public roles in Democrats abroad, I do appreciate being um, part of the decision-making process, but being able to do it a little bit more behind the scenes. I like to do structural work. I like to make sure that you know everything is in order and in place, procedures and rules and things like that. That's kind of my jam. <laughs> and <laughs> that's so, great. It's not for everyone, I know, uh, but that's those are the things I like. And even though in my own business, a lot of it is. Uh, uh, social. Um, I love the client-facing aspects and those parts, but uh, I think something that helps me run it really well, again, is that I enjoy doing the administrative work. And so when I'm volunteering, I think that's something I enjoy doing here too. Um, yeah, I, I wanted, again, like I, like I said, I wanted a seat at the table. I think inclusivity, it is something that is very important to me in my life and my work in, in DA for uh, for the workplace, for, for personal lives is something that I'm thinking about all the time. And it's mm -hmm. something where I, I know that I'm not, I wasn't your typical treasurer candidate because I, uh, I'm not a full-time accountant, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I enjoy that part of my work. And it was important to me also to make sure that we have a team. So before I decided to run, I just made sure that I had people I could count on who could, um, help me with those parts to to help us really professionalize and make this something that will work and that can continue to flow even if uh somebody has to step out that our numbers and our uh our reports are going to be in place and so that's a very long answer and sorry i'm going in yes. circles but oh no that was great uh, <laughs> yeah no that really answered the question but you also made me wonder are there financial or accounting or or treasure-esque treasurer-esque <laughs> issues or projects or plans that i mean what are there things that are exciting you about the job or are there things that are particular challenges yeah there's definitely there's there's a lot of both <laughs> and <laughs> and this role i think it's harder for people to see you know what we're doing from the outside a lot of it is really behind the scenes and we're currently going through thousands of uh items of accounting transactions to really prepare the 2020 report that for those of you who were at the last global meeting was promised uh to be presented in august so we're really going back through a lot of transactions from the last year to make sure it's uh in a place that people can really read it and understand it mm -hmm. and that is something that's important to me because i do manage uh the finances for my own companies and i i need to understand it in a way you know uh I want to understand it and I want people who are working with me to be able to understand those numbers without having financial or accounting background. And that's what I really want for this role mm -hmm. is that to have those reports in place that I think are really important for our members to see, but to really be able to understand and understand where we need to move with it. So I do want it to be a more involved process in that way, more connected 
uh, to our membership. So that's that's something really important that I'm working on now with our team. Um, I want to actually name the team since we're on here because yeah. they have also been doing great work. So uh, we have Kathy Rothschild in Costa Rica, James Chizungu in Denmark, and we have Josh Vanderplug in the UK. Uh, and they've been really terrific and in in helping us get everything together we're trying to do a lot of ambitious things in a short amount of time wow. um, getting a full year's worth of uh of a detailed report during a strong election year when we had record money coming in is it's quite a task and so we're really all hands on deck with that right now but that's one of the projects that we're working on that you will see if you attend the global meeting in august um, other things we're working on is just building processes for accounting and uh, federal reporting workflows what's important to me again is having a team I, I like the idea of inclusivity, like I told you before, but something that's a little bit tough is that in accounting, we can't have a big team because we work with really sensitive data and we can't right. be sharing access to that with a lot of people. Right. So, um, so our team is special in that they all have different strengths that they can contribute, but uh, we are learning each other's roles um, with different people on different lead parts so that if anything does happen or someone has to step out or if they just want to or need to because we're a volunteer organization mm -hmm. that we can do that and still have everything that we need in place and functioning so right. that's something really important that we're working on now the the federal reports is something that we have to uh, turn in every month all year long when we get to an election year it will become much, much more frequent. Um, and for the accounting, it's calmer now, but we're preparing ourselves for the storm that we're hoping <laughs> of once we get back into the election year. So, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah and I guess we should mention uh, Lizette, our previous treasurer, is the treasurer for our chapter that Rachel and I are the co-chairs of. That's right. And former vice chair of the chapter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes and she's done really terrific work and it's, it's, you know, it's great to be able to build on it, but go ahead, David, what were you saying? Well, just the, we talked, started talking about Iowa and get back around to treasurer. It's amazing how the, when they talk about the world getting smaller and smaller, it's, it's amazing how true that is. <laughs> yes. And I will mention Lizette too. She's done really terrific work and she's been so helpful during the transition. And I've appreciated that a lot because there's, there's a lot, there are so many pieces that you can't imagine that add to the workflow. Something as simple as when somebody makes a donation, the steps that you need to go through um, to report it, or even just to process these things, it, it takes, it really does take that team um, to make sure that we're, processing all of those things correctly and filing them correctly and tracking how well we're using our money. Oh, yes. And yes. So. The, the, the business of, of, of politics, the, the money side of politics, has a paper trail that is unlike anything in business. Oh, that's so true. Well, there, I mean, there are also <laughs> compliance issues, right? Like we cannot accept donations from people who are not American citizens, period. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Keeping, keeping on top of that is probably all by itself a huge task. Yes, and those are the things that make, make the job um, tricky and make it that much more important that we have these processes in place because the things that we have to report um, for these federal reports, it's completely, absolutely different than the things that we want to report or need to report back to our body to make sure that we are 
you know, showing everybody the, the breakdown of the numbers and how we're spending it responsibly. But these are completely different types of reporting that we have to do. Wow. So it does take um, a lot to try to streamline, to try to get the parts where we can to match up, but really it's just building out different processes. So that's, those are the things that, um, that you can't see. I kind of imagine it like, like, like watching a swan actually looking at your photo here. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> we'll have to explain, but go ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay. I will, I will explain. It's like, it, seems, it seems like the calm and people always make jokes like, Oh, it's the exciting part. We're getting ready to see, you know, the treasury and the numbers at a meeting. Um, it's like the calm part of the meeting and it should be, but there are so many moving pieces that are getting it to paddle or just to get to this one number that we're showing you there and mm. to make sure that the number is exactly what it needs to be. So those are the kind of fun things that we enjoy working on in the accounting team because we're we tend to be, you know, a bit more behind the scenes people, but we want we want what comes out to you to be that graceful swan and something that you can understand and see. <laughs> and so you are the, the legs paddling underneath the bird. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> and just for those who are listening to explain what Quinn was looking at, it's my profile picture, which is <laughs> a photograph of a swan w reflected in the lake beneath it. So all you see is the beautiful white gliding part and you don't see those treasury paddling legs underneath. <laughs> Yes, I did not come up with that myself. I have to give credit to Rachel. And no, no, you came up with picture. it, but, but it would be confusing for those who aren't connected with us in a Zoom call and who can't That's see true. the photo you're looking at. We'll have yes, to post it at some point. <laughs> when we have a Blue Vote Cafe uh, website, I'll put the picture up. One day. Up. Yeah. <laughs> one day. That's Quinn, I was struck by one of the comments you made a little while ago about um, bringing in professionals to help with Democrats abroad is are, are, are you suggesting that Democrats abroad is maybe on the cusp of getting bigger? It's been steadily getting bigger, but you wonder if there's a, a jump in the growth coming. Yes. I mean, we're hoping for growth, right? We had an outstanding year with mm -hmm. grants and donations and et cetera coming in last year. And there's no way there, there, there shouldn't be a reason that we can't keep that up, especially with the great volunteers we have in place around the world. So one thing that uh, listeners might not know is that in the coming months, we will have an executive director that will come into place. I don't have a lot of the details about that yet, uh, but in terms of professionalizing with accounting, it's also something that we're exploring is getting a software that can allow us to do a bit more robust accounting. And again, I think it'll be important for the long-term growth of the organization and accountability. Uh, and again, like what I was mentioning with the team, if somebody has to step out or when we do transfer to another person that we just have everything logged in there and we just pick up right where we left off and continue going. So those are the, some of the things that I want to do for the treasury in terms of professionalizing. Great. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was the question that you wanted me to answer. No, but. no. Yeah, well, I've, I've sort of had that feeling as well. Even the couple of years that I have been around, it just feels like where Democrats Abroad was when I started and where it is today, it just the, the path is going up. The line is going up and it seems to be a bit of a curve coming in place that it's getting faster all the time. Well, in terms of sheer numbers, we increased our membership by 30% in 2020, right? I mean, that's a crazy, yeah. a crazy increase. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. And we want to keep 
you know, increasing, maybe we won't be able to hit those rates exactly. But we, uh, I think, I think being online last year helped a lot with a lot yes. of the, uh, the digital advertisements we did, for example. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I am optimistic that we'll continue with that growth. And I think more and more people, even in the US, are hearing who we are and helping to spread that message to people they know abroad, or they're remembering it when they move abroad. Right. So, so we want to keep up with that. And I think something important that we're all thinking about on the executive committee is how can we uh, make build up more sustainable teams and practices so that we can continue with that growth. And when we need to expand, that people can move right along with us. We found that just in our, in our own chapter, the the pandemic helped Democrats abroad where, you know, us mm-hmm. and Amazon are the only ones that, that came out of this <laughs> in, in a good place. And it's and it, it maybe it is the nature that we're also spread out. And when we were forced to stay home and use our technology to connect to each other, Democrats abroad was in the right place at the right time to, to ride that. It's true. And we had a lot of those processes in place, luckily, and we had people who stepped up and pushed what needed to be pushed at that time. And I I really admire that in our volunteers, that they took advantage of that, of a really terrible situation to find something good from it. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to get rid of Trump. And that. There was that, too. And that whole thing. And that whole thing. (laughs) My Iowa family is listening. Uh, Good. Oh, I hope so. You do realize that this is a Democrats Abroad podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My my Iowa very Republican family. (laughs) Maybe we can gently lure them over to the blue side. I keep trying. I keep trying. Well, and I have a lot of respect for a lot of Republicans. It's just... This one particular individual, I just I look at it and I just I just don't get it. Like, really, that's that's the person you want as president with all the other choices there are within the the vastness that is the Republicans. Yeah, I will clarify and talk about my Trump supporting family. (laughs) 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 But again, they are, you know, it's interesting actually coming from Iowa, going back to that, because I do a lot of. Um, some of my mentors from growing up, some of my family members, not just in Iowa, um, are strong Trump supporters. And it's been uh, it's been a learning experience for me because it is hard. It is hard for me to understand. I think he goes against, you know, all of my principles, practically yeah. <laughs> things that are most important to me in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but but it's it's good to have people who keep reminding you that you you need to reach out across the aisle and try to understand the other viewpoints and why people um, are supporting him so that we can hopefully get them to vote for us on the next round. Yeah. yeah. And continue to reverse um, all the wrong that's been done in the last few years. Here, here. So, Quinn, you mentioned something. I have known for a while that although the norm is that an American living outside the country votes as of from the address where they last lived, that there are circumstances in which you can change back to somewhere where you have stronger associations. And you mentioned having done that from Massachusetts to Iowa. I think you're the first person I've talked to who's actually gone ahead and done it. So can you explain? <laughs> yeah, that, that actually was really important to me because I, I went to graduate school in Massachusetts and that was my last address, but I really do go back to Iowa more. I have a lot more connections there. 
uh, and I'm I'm spending a lot more time there. So it is it is completely legal to do that, and that's what I decided to do. And that's mm-hmm. simply simply put, that's what it was. It's it's complicated with voting laws, but that's something that people should be able to do. I don't want to say it as a blanket statement because again, it's not always that way in every state, but you can look up, uh, you can look up the, the voting laws for every state. I should remember the site since I was accessing it so much last year. Do you do that through Iowa? Do you do that through Massachusetts or is it a federal thing? I just re-registered in Iowa. Oh, interesting, because from from what I had heard, um, it's often up to the local election officer. If you go to the local election officer um, of the state where you want to switch your registration to and present compelling reasons why you should be registered there, they it's up as I understood it. It's within their discretion to say yes. I might need to credit them to that then. I hope I'm not yeah. saying I don't I didn't do anything wrong though. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. I to question it. You didn't. But, oh well. <laughs> but it, made more, it, do, it did make more sense to me. And again, I did after graduate school go back there for a bit and I've spent more time there, even though it wasn't technically the last place I lived. But yeah, but I think there's yeah, and there's more flexibility for students, I think, because you are viewed as a temporary resident when you're in school. Yes. And I think that probably helped too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. That's very cool. And I didn't mention I vote for Massachusetts and sometimes I do feel like it's the most useless vote in the U.S. (laughs) But but not when I vote for Elizabeth Warren and Ayanna Presley. (laughs) Then I'm very happy to be a Massachusetts voter. (laughs) That's true. That is very exciting. I I sometimes feel a little bit less excited about my choices, but that they're all the more important to me. Well, Iowa may yet change colors. That's that's not uh, when you look at it's significant yeah yeah, when you look at the the way the voting has gone over the past couple of years it's not impossible we swap back and forth a lot and i canvassed a lot for obama when i lived there and wow it it feels a little bit different to me now when i go back but it could just be mentally because i know how my county voted and how my state voted yeah (laughs) uh but i but i also think that iowa we have a shot at moving back to. So, yeah, so I'm optimistic and hoping that my vote's going to continue yes, to carry exactly. on. Absolutely. That's what and I it, think every single time I get it. <laughs> we should also <laughs> mention for those who are newer listeners of the podcast who haven't listened to all our back episodes yet, <laughs> that we did, I think on Super Tuesday, um, interview a DA member. Uh, from the Toronto chapter who went to caucus in Iowa with his brother. Yeah. Who actually they were, were they born like three houses down from you, David? It turned out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Another Iowa. But that was a really fun episode. Yeah. (laughs) Where, where David and Iowa are you from? Ames, Iowa. Oh my goodness. I was just in Ames right after my wedding. (laughs) That's where I went to to undergrad. Did you say hi to Bill and Nancy? Really? <laughs> oh, Ames. Ames has a very special place in my heart. Oh, nice. I really love it there. Yes. Nice. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about university. Very much a, a university town, but uh, very forward thinking. Like they're, uh, you can tell that those are are people who, well educated is is uh, sometimes a stretch, but but at least people who are uh, take politics very passionately and and definitely do not throw away their vote. They think about every single thing oh, they're for voting sure. for. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, that sure came through in in hearing about the caucusing. That was fascinating. I think I can actually credit a lot of my political involvement to my time in Ames because people around me were so passionate about it. And I always Mm. go back to visit my old professors when I'm there. And we sat and had a lot of conversations about politics. (laughs) You know, it's uh, (laughs) these were the people who uh, I can probably credit with switching me from my Republican uh, being raised as a Republican to a Democrat. So I can probably credit Ames for that. Wonderful. Oh, really? For the university? Wow. Good. <laughs> yeah, really. To my it's... friends, my professors. Uh, yeah, it really shaped my mindset. So there is there is hope. If you if listeners are also, you know, trying to convince those Republican friends, you just got you got to get them at the right time in the right environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right and, conversations. And, yeah. and that university has had a great basketball team for the past year as well. <laughs> Okay, also. <laughs> <laughs> the important things. <laughs> the important things in life. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so, all right, I'll ask one last question. Sure. <laughs> Is there anything else that we haven't asked you that, um, that you'd like to share? think you've given me a chance to talk about everything I wanted to. Just again, I just want to reiterate that uh, the Treasury is not always the most sexy, exciting role, but we're trying to make it so that (laughs) we're working really hard to make it so that you will get excited about the numbers and want to help us push them up. Uh, A lot of a lot of our success in the organization comes from grassroots fundraising. So uh, if you would also consider donating or becoming a sustaining donor, if it even just means donating $1 a month to $5 a month, those are the donations that are really holding us afloat and allowing us to do things like phone banking and flipping states from red to blue. So, uh, so please, listeners, if that's something you would consider, we would really love that and helping us to continue to build up on our foundation. And um, yeah, we, we really want you to get excited about the numbers and see why it's important in helping us grow, that we can't do it without without the funds, so. Yes, fundraising is, is tough and, and it's tough to ask for money. It's It, it takes a certain amount of, of gumption to, to, to do that, to say, please donate. Yeah, and and it's you know it's tough because we are all volunteers and we're a lot of us are donating in many different ways. But just I just have to say, you know, a um, dollar for instance can help you make four phone banking calls, and those calls can be what really makes a difference in changing a state over. So that's what I want our callers to consider if you can't, or at least to donate time in other ways if you can't donate money. But you're right, a dollar a month is a meaningful gift. It may feel silly when you pledge that. But it does add up. It's important. And we should say, tell me if I have this right, Quinn, democratsabroad.org slash donate. I'm going to check that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. Democrats.org slash donate. Yes, please. Um, And again, you know, just becoming a sustaining donor, it's we we have a lot more sustaining donor or we have the ability to do that. We have more, I think, than a lot of other nonprofits, but that's what really can help to keep us alive. So... That's really important. That's just my last plug. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, Quinn. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. It's been great chatting with you and getting to know you a bit. 
Thank you, Rachel and David. It's always fun to listen to your podcast and it's fun to be a part of it. So I really appreciate it. And um, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks. I'm Rachel Oyster with David Schellenberg in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for listening to Democrats Abroad, the Blue Vote Cafe.